This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com and your host for the Villa podcast that thought it was on the beach but has suddenly packed up its towel and flip-flops. The season's back alive, apparently. Joining me to discuss a rare Aston Villa victory in the year 2021. A man with a suntan like no other, <laughs> Mr. Chris Budd. Welcome. Hello, mate. I was already on the beach. What is going on? <laughs> yeah, I'm not joking about his tan. I'm, we had a uh, night out the other night and uh, I've never seen a man so tanned in April that lives in the UK. I literally spent one afternoon in the sun <laughs> walking around the park. And more to the point, Birmingham. I know, well. it's ridiculous. I've got the I've got the most ridiculous panda eyes. It looks ridiculous. So anyway, congratulations on your tan. Thanks, mate. How's yours coming on? <laughs> uh, well, it'll take take days and months for me to get anywhere near that kind of standard. Better get yourself a base layer, David. Also joining us, the most pastiest man in Northern <laughs> Ireland, <laughs> Mr. Phil Shaw. Welcome. Yes, you well, you, you got it right. I've absolutely no arguments. <laughs> It's, it's a bit warm for him like, today. Like like candle wax. Yeah. <laughs> How are you, Mr. Shaw? I'm all right. I mean, today it was all right. There was a bit of cloud cover, so I ventured outside. It was fine. <laughs> right. What's coming up in the show? Well, it's all madness. Because uh, Villa playing attacking, entertaining football. We will talk more about that in uh, a game which uh, is one of the probably more entertaining games of uh this year so far uh, in terms of Aston Villa anyway also in the three points uh, the shenanigans of what's been happening at Old Trafford the possibility of away fans going to games at the end of the season and also uh, some uh, Optus stats that uh, proves the effect of having no fans in stadiums also we'll get into the Villa news which will uh, well let's get into that now shall we let's First of all, uh, over the weekend, Aston Villa has joined, well, I think we mentioned it in the last show, the social media blackout over the bank holiday weekend. 
I mean, as I said on the uh, previous shows, I, I think it's fine for the you know institutions, the football clubs, and the FA and everything, obviously, to make a point to uh, the social media powers that be. But personally, I th- I th- I'm more into kind of action on a personal level rather than uh, a Twitter protest. I mean, you know, I don't really take Twitter seriously. And, you know, there's a bit of virtue signaling that people making it about themselves rather than the actual issue. But it's, you know, it's action. It's pretty obvious what needs to be done on that front. But it's uh, it's a societal problem as well, which is a, a bigger picture that needs addressing. Moving on, obviously played Everton uh in the last game, and finally, that mysterious fixture, the uh, the Villa Park game against Everton, has materialised on the fixture list, which uh, leaves us with six games to play this month. Everton ticked off. Maybe we'll win all six. This could be uh, mm. that would be pretty sensational. It could be actually. Dean Smith's usual sprint for home. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps saying that he finishes strong. So uh, if he wins all six, then uh, hats off to him big time, especially against Manchester United, Everton, yeah. Spurs, Chelsea. Uh, what's the other fixture change? Uh, Crystal Palace was moved. I think what the, the main thing that's happened here is uh, the government's uh, outdoor venue uh roadmap back from covid was the may the 17 and what the premier league has done is push the fixtures one round of fixtures past that the uh the 37 round of games past that so that enables every club to have a home game with fans after the 17th of may so uh that's uh why that has been done uh also uh the the dates uh, of the uh youth cup semi-final where villa would be playing west brom in the other leg it's ipswich versus liverpool is on may the 15th which is two days shy of the uh the may the 17th fixtures but there should be fans allowed at the final surely you'd hope so yeah you'd hope so it used to be two legs, didn't it? Yeah, I'm not quite sure. But what now it's—I it, think yeah. it's one now. But I don't know where where that actually the I don't venue know how is. It gets drawn, whether it's you just get to play it at home, or I, I really don't know. I think the, I mean, lack of research on our part there. We apologise, but I think it'd probably be a neutral venue or something. I don't know. It would be nice if they got to play a Liverpool team their own age for once. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> there, there'll be novelty there. Meanwhile, the uh, Villa ladies, they're they're they're, uh, they're following in the Villa tradition uh, that used to happen before this season, where we take it down to the wire the last game of the season they uh, had a second nil-nil draw against West Ham uh, matching the one they had uh, the other week which means uh, last game of the season they are two points above the relegation zone and the zone is just one team which is currently uh, Bristol City in it Bristol City have a inferior goal difference by 20 goals so really Bristol have to win and Villa have to get beat Villa are away against Arsenal Arsenal one of the top three teams in women's football so I expect uh, Arsenal win there Bristol away to Brighton Brighton mid-table don't think they'll really be playing for much there but also Bristol beat them didn't they earlier on in the season 3-0 I think so there is a chance there that uh, uh, I mean as the Villa women's ladies have conceded equalisers in deep deep into injury time and a couple of times in the last week and uh, against Bristol and Birmingham and they're really asking for trouble and uh, there's a potential that it could be served up but uh, we wish them well but I think it's more about supporting Brighton uh, on that day. Yeah, I think so. I think it's out of their yeah. hands because like, you could see them getting battered at Arsenal and then it's just down to whether, you know, even if Bristol got a draw they'd be okay. So uh, Yeah, it's Villa, yeah, Villa would be alright. Yeah, it's, it's totally down to Brighton. So good luck, Brighton. <laughs> right, on to the three points. 
all, all uh, Premier League teams will get a chance to host a uh, Premier League game with fans at the end of the season. The government have actually proposed that... Uh, they're happy to have 500 away fans attend those games. Now, at the time of recording the Premier League, I think they had it until the end of uh, play on Friday to respond to that. According to the BBC, there was a bit of a mixture of uh, views on this. I mean, at one point is, uh, I think most teams will want as many home fans in uh, as possible to, to give as many you know home fans the chance, just because obviously there's been a long... Uh, Long time that no home supporters have been uh, at their respective stadiums, and secondly, uh, it's just the logistic side of things. It's easier, isn't it, just to just make that last game of the season or your last home game of the season just all home fans and uh, think about away fans next year. So uh, we'll see what happens, but there is a chance that uh, Villa fans might be able to travel to Spurs uh, in the last away game uh, of the season. God, can you imagine the? free for all trying to be one of those 500 getting a ticket for it though yeah that's why i think they'll go against it and you know because spurs you know they've got massive season ticket list and everything i think they'd prefer to have more home fans in as well and i think for most premier league grounds although they they have big stadiums putting 500 away fans into a, a segregated away section socially distanced could be quite hard in certain stadiums villa park might not be the easiest for one yeah if you're talking about normal allocations around two and a half three thousand type figure yeah then uh, yeah you've got a good point there so i think they'll say no just because it's they'll take the easy road which i think is you know it's fair enough in this case well they you know they've talked about the the cap of 30 pounds uh etc etc so uh you know we'll see how the uh, the dice uh, land meanwhile uh this is something that uh is pretty unsurprising optus stats have released uh stats essentially say giving uh, an indication of the full seasonal effect of having no fans in stadiums in terms of home form and we've had the lowest home goals and points of any other year this season home teams averaging just 1.33 goals per game at home only in the 2008 stroke 2009 season has it been comparable when when it was 1.4 but the biggest difference comes with the points with 1.35 points per game for the home team and the nearest uh, it's ever been that low is 1.52 points per game in the 15-16 season. I mean, I suppose a good example would be Manchester City, uh, wouldn't it, who have lost uh, three home games this season, which is as many as the previous four title-winning seasons combined. And obviously Liverpool as well, losing six at home for the first time since the 1950s. Yeah, that's insane. Uh, I mean, it? Arsenal's home form's been dreadful. I mean, the, the worst one, obviously, Brighton. Brighton, have, um, before this weekend, had only won two. I think, obviously, they've now won, now won three. Out yeah, of, you know, I was like, it's a shocking home form. Yeah, because I mean, like teams, let's say lower, lower half teams, Brighton. You'd have to consider them as normally. You know, they the reason why teams like that stay up is because of their home form is winning as many yeah. home games as possible. So it's kind of a complete reversal of that uh, theory. Back before Project Restart, when we talked about it, I still didn't think it would be as pronounced because you still think home advantage, your own dressing room, your own surroundings, and things like that. There, but to see it as starkly as that over the course of the season, I didn't think it would get to that stage. Yeah. Yeah, I think everybody felt that teams might get used to it and then the numbers would kind of work themselves out and they kind of, they've just continued, haven't they? Yeah. But l- gentlemen, don't forget, football is nothing without fans. Ah, yes. 
and that creates the home advantage. Speaking of home fans, <laughs> to Manchester. <laughs> Point number three, off we go to Old Trafford. Manchester United, uh, Liverpool fans were protesting as well, some of them, weren't they? Yeah, were they and not? Arsenal were, Chelsea were. Naturally, Spurs didn't turn up, but that's standard Spurs, isn't it? Uh, the Super League protests go on and uh, also... Uh, kind of roll out in terms of the you know the chief execs and the 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 owners really because they you know they they essentially by plumping for the uh, super league reveal their true colors so uh, united fans uh some of them laid siege to old trafford did they not getting into the ground swinging on goalposts taking corner flags stealing balls all sorts take, yeah, taking yeah. penalties yes yeah, so <laughs> there was a video of some guy falling off the or some kid falling off the goal net when someone yeah, scored I was going to say guy most most of the pitch invaders were like under the like the age of 13 weren't they just little oiks mm-hmm. yeah it just, it just came it, across as a bunch of chances. I thought, I mean, fair play to the big numbers outside the stadium making their point, and there were a lot outside the Lowry Hotel where the Man United team were staying. Yeah. I'm all for the protest, but <laughs> you don't need to storm the fucking ground. Protest is against the, the Glaziers. So, I mean, but this is, you know, this is a proper protest. This, is, this yeah. isn't like some kind of Twitter protest. This is what, you know, this is what happens when football supporters are really pissed off. They don't just turn their backs on Twitter. They actually uh, get to this stadiums and actually make their uh, concerns felt and you know never underestimate football supporters in that respect because uh, they're not going to take anything uh, too lightly no, i mean in, t- in terms of you know a protest that is you know made with the intention of causing disruption i mean jesus christ to get one of the biggest games in european yeah. football postponed you'd say from their point of view job done yeah, well, no, whether, whether or not it has any influence on the Glazer family, I don't know. That'll be, you know, whether it'll be a chain of events, who knows? You know, it's going to be a long, drawn-out affair, I'm sure. But um, but it, it certainly is an example of uh, and highlights the kind of toxic relationship that's kind of brewing there. And, and fair play to them for rallying all those people without social media, supposedly. <laughs> well, they've still got social media. It's just the uh, the club, obviously, that hasn't. <laughs> right, shall we? Uh, let's get on to that Everton game, shall we? Uh, yeah. Just before we get on to it, just want to say uh, follow uh, the My Man Said podcast on Twitter at My Man Said is the address. So uh, give that a follow, and also you'll uh, find in the the notes the uh, Mad Few group, which is the Facebook group dedicated to listeners of the show. So uh, check out the link there and join us uh, in there too. Right. Uh, Everton. This is a game uh, where you looked at the Everton team sheet, and especially in their midfield and forward line, you're thinking, oh, shit, this could be a long day. And then suddenly Rodriguez uh, disappeared off that team sheet. Yeah, he pulled up with a calf strain, didn't he, in the warm-up, which is going to give you a a mental boost. Yeah, because uh, there's somebody who... because we haven't got Grealish, they've got their magic man. And, uh, you know, it was like playing ourselves, really, in that respect. And I think I said in Match Club that uh, they may have uh, benefited with him because it was it, the first half was so frantic and uh, that, that suited us to the extent. And if they had Rodriguez, they might have had a bit more composure and a bit of, uh, I don't know, know-how or, or whatever. And Definitely. it seemed to play in, it play into our hands uh, from the off. Because um, the old phrase was trotted out many times during that fr- uh, by the commentators in that first half. You know, this is a great advert for Premier League football, and it was. I mean, end the end chances at, at the first half did of everything. Yeah, there was some great football played. I mean, I saw um, a little bit of Everton Twitter after the game, and they sort of were berating their team as they have been on and off, like the Villa fans this side of Christmas. But I actually didn't think they were too bad. I just thought we were actually really good in the first half. It was comfortably the best. 
we've played this side of Christmas, I would say. You know, we've had little moments like the first half at Burnley, but in terms of a yeah. you know, 90 minutes of quality, I thought it was easily the best performance. But considering uh, both teams fans have been you know accusing them in some part of being on on the beach you know, i mean it was a fast and furious pace fast and furious phil shaw's favorite film franchise <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is which is <laughs> funny because everton and villa is about as long running a saga as fast and furious yeah yeah probably yeah <laughs> what is it on now it's about nine isn't it i think i don't think they've went to space yet but there's time <laughs> <laughs> fast and furious in space yeah uh, it was quite interesting. Ollie Watkins, uh, I think it's on Match of the Day, where they interviewed him and he was talking about they'd been working uh, in the build up to this game on their possession and being a bit more, let's say, uh, constructive in getting the ball up the pitch more gradually rather than, you know, being too gun ho. Because they have been sloppy, haven't they? They've given the ball yeah. away cheaply over the last few weeks and months. It's just been scrappy and a, a bit messy, to be honest. And then a lot, I mean, I think the, our sort of uh, key word in the last couple of months has been aimless, hasn't it? It's been a real aimless yeah. style of play. And I think, you know, that translates to what Watkins said, to gun-ho. Yeah. And I think a, a, a big part of making us a bit more constructive was actually uh, Ross Barkley's performance, Brilliant. who had had his best performance since uh, returning back from injury. Yeah, I would, I would agree with which that. We, which mm-hmm. was about three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, we, we've been saying for months that in, the, in in Grealish's absence, somebody's had to try and take the game by the scruff of the neck. I mean, one of your big... Pl- and Barkley did. And we bought Barkley to be almost like an insurance policy because yeah, yeah. then we would have two marquee players. So if one of them's out, then at least you can rely on him. And this is really the first time he's stepped up to that mantle. Yep. Absolutely, yeah, it definitely was because um, he it doesn't go. He, I don't think it goes without saying he was everywhere on the pitch because there was a lot of times that he was um, taking the ball off the back four and you know doing a trick, turning out and you know feeding it in the midfield, and then instead of just stopping there, he was carrying on and he was he was available again. So you sort of, you're looking at him going like, where has he been? Where has this Ross Barkley been for the last you know, six, twelve weeks? I think potentially you know getting a good run in the team against West Brom and getting that time on the pitch, getting his foot on the ball and actually feeling like he's working himself back into some form rather than having to come off the bench. And I don't necessarily think he gets up to the tempo of the game very well as a substitute. I thought this game suited him. I thought actually the way Everton played, they were quite open in the middle of the park. It allowed him to kind of drive through. There was the run from the halfway line where he hits the post. He carried the ball the best we've seen it really since the first sort of third of the season. I thought McGinn had a better game and he did the same. You know, he had a couple of shots and he got involved at the right end of the field. I thought Louise was tireless as well. I think the tempo helped, helped yeah. Villa. And, well, that's how the uh, first goal came, didn't it? The tempo came from us pressing them really high up the field and they we just forced the mistake. Because I think Villa have struggled when they've had too much time to think. But here it's almost like playing on instinct. And Villa, like at the early part of the season, when it was the tempo was fast again, you know, against the likes of Liverpool, it, it suits us. And yeah. Barkley seems to be better in the split second rather than when he's got a you know seconds on the ball to do to think and do something. He's 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 more a creature of instinct when yeah. it comes to his best stuff. And certainly, this you could say the same about the wide men as well. I mean, Traore yeah. and El Ghazi both, if they don't have time to think about it, um, they can do anything. And especially Traore, I mean, some of the tricks that he was pulling out of the bag in that yeah. Everton game were unreal. Just, I don't think there was anybody else in the pitch could have done that. Yeah, I mean, that's the fun of it. When it's that tempo and you've got somebody like that who can do something at that pace. Because when you're playing at that speed, you're going to put people on their asses if you you know, do tricks like that. Even the audacity to shoot from where he did where you know Pickford makes that brilliant save. 
Now, he's almost got no right shooting from there, and he just sort of whips it around the keeper. It's a brilliant save. I mean, he, as much as you know, Villa were great, I actually you know, thought probably the standout player of the first half was Pickford for Everton. Yeah. You know, for all the grief he gets from England fans you know, up and down the country, I thought, I thought he was excellent. He made probably two top quality saves. And, you know, Watkins could have had a hat trick. You had the Algarzi one, didn't you? Every, really, he should score. Watkins obviously needs one and he claws it away. There's the Traore chance. You almost went in at half time, you know, when it's one all, thinking, are we going to be paid for missing these big chances? Because we could have easily been three, four, one up. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, I mean, the whole Grealish thing is these guys were finally putting their personalities on the game. Yeah. You know, your likes of Traore, Barkley... And Watkins, I mean, Watkins is, you know, he's got in the England squad and, uh, and he's, you know, he's, he's scored 13 goals now, but he hasn't been the bigger personality uh, as I expected for that tag. Because you think if Grealish is out, you, you should be thinking, oh, we, you know, we've got Watkins. Don't worry, Watkins will sort them out. Barkley will sort them out. And you know, Traore, blah blah, but that hasn't been happening. They they haven't really stamped the you know their personalities on the game. But this is the first time where you actually felt well. Actually, the way bloody Barkley is playing, Watkins and you know Traore playing here, we've we've got enough to take these guys out. Yeah, and then um, it was that, going back to that Watkins interview again. Whenever he says, you know, be more creative, stop being aimless, it's almost directed at. Uh, Mings, Konza, Cash, target the ones at the back, and you know, stop, you know, just aimlessly lumping the ball where I've no chance. You know, give me something to run onto. So maybe he's yeah. now feels like he is a leader in the team that he can say, no, those balls haven't been good enough. You know, they need to be better. They I give mean, us a chance because yeah. he's he's not asking for sort of pinpoint accuracy with him. You can just turn the fullbacks round and just pop it into the channel down the line. As long, and and he will, you know, he will put them under pressure. He's, you know, he ran Coleman all over the place for for ninety minutes. Because I, I think he's underutilized so far this season. Completely. I think if we get the right mix next season, I think you're talking about a player who can who can get very close to twenty, if not over. Yeah, I, I think so as well. I mean, you, th- I mean, you, you remember you know, before Christmas how unlucky he was with you know hitting the post. Was it five games on the, the bounce? I think it was. Yeah, he had, no, exactly. He had goals yeah. disallowed, and obviously they missed penalties, and but he had about three goals disallowed for bloody tight VAR decisions. So he could easily be close to twenty goals already. Has he hit the woodwork like eight times or something really? I think it's a record, remember. yeah. We we did it in the show. At, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, was, it was a huge amount. It definitely and, was a but, record on the spin. But what we didn't factor in was the amount of goals he's had chopped off as yeah, well. Yeah, it was mental. <laughs> that run I mean, of games. If he was a bit more ruthless and you could say if he had a bit more luck, he, he's not too dissimilar from Vardy, the pressure that he puts the opposition defence yeah, on. I, I, yeah. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, he's he's busy, isn't he? He kind of wants to be involved. He's he's always on the the uh, the defender's shoulder. Um, he, you know, thoroughly deserved his goal. Probably he would expect he probably should have had two at least. But saying that, it was almost like uh, Everton were asking for that because some of they their were. playing out the back was uh, they're on thin ice there because yeah. Watkins was closing them down. I was thinking, yeah, if just Barkley just joins in and if they hunt in twos, mm-hmm. they might get some success there. And then suddenly Watkins did it on his own. You're right about the Vardy comparison because I think if he gets that little uh, ruthless, nasty streak, mm-hmm. then uh, I think you've got a player there. Yeah, I agree. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And you saw, as we saw a lot in the first half of the season, and in moments the second half, but very inconsistently, when our two fullbacks get involved, you just pin the opposition back. Because Target and Cash are good going forward. I mean, the ball that um, Matty Cash put in for the Watkins chance and obviously Algarzi hits the bar. It's a world-class cross. And you just think, Go on, mate. Like, um, let's see more of that. You know, it was a really good response to, you know, Smith had kind of quite publicly, hadn't he, sort of not got stuck into him, but said, you know, he knew he was rash against Manchester City. Yeah. And that was an opportunity wasted in that game. But this was the perfect response. He put in a really good performance. The silly yellow cards. Yeah. Whereas, you know, his, his, his attacking play, especially, he got involved. And when Target gets involved, it means that El Ghazi or normally Grealish on the left or Barkley they always have an overload, which which normally means that if Target is your overloading player, Barkley can cut in on his right foot, Grealish can cut in, El Ghazi can, and they all want to do that and shoot. And obviously, you know, we'll get onto it you know, shortly, I'm sure, but that's you know, that's where the winner came from, was El Ghazi yeah. cutting in on his right foot. It's a brilliant goal for the winner. Because if we're talking about, oh, we're a one-man team, you know, Grealish, blah, 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 but there's been, you know, singling out the wide men and saying that, you know, they're not good enough, but... I'm sorry, but we've got fullbacks, and these fullbacks. I mean, first half of the season, we're we're, we're saying we've got defensively, you know, that we're we're sorted now. In terms of up, the upgrades, need to be midfield, and also, you know, let's say tactically, and, and maybe an attitude adjustment. Yeah, and, and ultimately, you're looking for consistency from these guys. So the fullbacks, uh, they they need to be doing more to, and they should be, you know, they should be attacking. Troy should be attacking with Cash, and Target should be working with Al Ghazi, whoever's there. And you know that there's enough there to compensate for the loss of uh, Grealish. Yeah, I agree. So there's no excuses there, and you know the the one man team thing is a load of bollocks, really, because yeah. uh, you know we've beaten Leeds and Everton without him, and we should have beaten West. You know, we should be beating West Brom, and some of the other opportunities, even against Manchester City and Liverpool, we should have had a couple of points there as well. It's just uh, there needs to be more belief and. And I can't believe, you know, they're having a conversation where they're saying, well, you know, we, we decided to get up the pitch more gradually rather than being too gun-ho because they have been so sloppy and they've turned the ball over so cheaply in you know, all pretty much all every game uh, this year. 
And another big, big thing, I mean, we saw it in the Man City game on the other side, was that we actually had that willingness and energy and desire to actually go and win the ball back, which we haven't yeah. seen that much of, especially against Man City, where we were so passive. I mean, that's been another word that's been thrown around a lot, hasn't it? This side of Christmas. Villa have been very passive, be it with the ball or without. At Everton, they were very aggressive, aggressive in the tackle, and they were aggressive with the ball. They wanted to force the issue, but not force it in a negative way. They, they knew that there was a game there to be won. Because I think Everton uh, Everton had an intensity about them, and I think that triggered Villa into life. Yeah. I think that was very much, it was like, you know, took two to tango. And yeah. uh, it was, it, they, remind, they remind me a little bit of Leeds, actually, in that first half. Yeah. And I think that that's what fired up Villa. It's two quite similar teams. I mean, ultimately, the table is shows that we're reasonably close to each other and I think I think it's probably about right you know we were the better side on the night we you know we deserved to get the win just before we scored we, we you know we're getting on and uh we're st- most Villa fans would start to get frustrated by this lack of uh, substitutions. You know, there was actually people calling out for Davis to get on there. Smith must have seen something and obviously persevered with what he had. I don't know if that's just because that's what he does or uh, he had something in mind. But uh, out of nowhere, to quell all the frustration, uh, El Ghazi cut inside and... Uh, it took about there was a second well in my household anyway a second of silence before I uh, celebrated realised what happened didn't quite believe it (laughs) (laughs) even before it gets to El Ghazi I mean there's great underplay between McGinn um, Louise and then he freeze Triori. I mean, that's the thing. It's it's not rushed. It's not panicked. It was like measured and then again Triori got it across to El Ghazi and once it gets to him I mean he's, he's in one of his purple patches at the minute the way he finished that yeah, Traore takes like four people out of the game, doesn't he? It's, it's really great play. And then when he gets to him, you think, well, he's got Seamus Coleman on toast here if he wants to. And he didn't need to. He just sort of dropped his shoulder, cut inside, and Pickford couldn't get anywhere near it. It's a brilliant goal. And he showed us what he's like in training, finally. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was a training ground goal. It was great. <laughs> and then came the subs, which was interesting. Just to waste a bit of time, if anything. Yeah, well, that's all they were, essentially. The subs were very much uh, time wasters, uh, Ramsey coming on for Traore and then Davis in injury time for Al Ghazi. I will say one thing about Ramsey, though. There's one towards the end, uh, 90th minute or something, where he closed down a shot on the edge of the area, which he yes. didn't do against Liverpool. So, yeah. Lesson, yeah. like I said, it's a good sign that he's learning. Yeah, no, completely. Uh, anything else for this game? I think it just it, it, it potentially gives us that little bit of impetus, doesn't it? You know, we've obviously we entertain Manchester United next, which is traditionally not a you know not a nightmare, a, a nightmare, nightmare for us. Yeah, <laughs> but you think go and have a go. You know, yeah. I'm not going to say Villa have turned the corner because it's way too early to say that. But it's it, one it, fucking game, Bert. Yeah. Come on, let me let me finish my fucking point, <laughs> David Michael. <laughs> Come on, you fucker. Let's have a fight now. Let's go. <laughs> it's a Sunday right. night. Do we have to? Um, <laughs> but you can go into this. It feels like. There's a running to be kind of like, come on, let's go now, rather than oh, these each game's a bit of a, it's a bit of a slog. It's like we've still got a bit, we've got a bit of life back in us now. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's now a case of let's see what we can do. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Which uh, is the kind of I think to to take you know spot on teams like Spurs and then the second game against Everton and and Palace, it's just to have a good chance of winning. It's it is simply a mentality shift. Absolutely. And Smith has come out and said, you know, in his pre-match. That top tens the goal. It's like okay, well, you've now you've you've laid your cards on the table. 
Go and do it. Yeah, and we are now 10th, uh, if you haven't looked at the table, because uh, Arsenal won and they leapfrogged us. But, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to complain if we finish above Arsenal and Leeds, because I remember putting out a tweet in the first half of the season saying, we will be a little pissed if we do not finish above Arsenal and Leeds, because we were a fair few points. We above were them. a long way ahead of Leeds at one yeah. point. Yeah. And Arsenal, let's be frank, have been fucking awful at times. Right, speaking of... Uh, Fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. And then I thought, yeah, but let's backtrack here. It's time for the latest candidate to uh, go under the microscope. It's time for underrated or overrated and uh, the mercurial talent of a, a player whose final two... It's a bit of a fall from grace, really. His final two clubs were Aston Villa and Everton. <laughs> not, not, nothing to do with the clubs. The clubs probably the t- two of the best he's played for. But uh, unfortunately, he was uh, on his way out uh, at that stage. Mister David Ginola or David Ginola. Why did we sign Ginola? You'd have to ask Doug Ellis, wouldn't you? This was a fucking bizarre signing. I think just vanity, wasn't it? A vanity signing. Yeah, but at the same time. If he, if it comes along at the right price, you're you're not going to turn down having uh, Ginola in your squad. Tell the story. He met uh, Doug on holiday in Mauritius, did he not? Yeah, he was on the transfer list, wasn't he? I think Spurs had put him put him up for sale, and uh, I think Ellis had obviously said, "Oh, you know, I'd love to love to have you at the club one day." Ginola went, "Well, funnily enough, I'm actually on the transfer list at the moment." Ginola said, we had a nice lunch, and he said, we'd love to have you at the club one day. I said, well, funnily enough, I'm on the transfer market. Bing, bang, bosh. It was, it was definitely one of those meddling signings, wasn't it, yeah. uh, by Mr. Ellis. Gregory is probably surprised to see him uh, turn up at Bodymore Heath in the summer. I mean, Gregory did like an exotic signing as well, to be fair. but <laughs> yes. Normally... Uh, Overrated or underrated does start with why did we sign him? And Chris Budd saying, "Well, John Gregory did like a, a exotic signing <laughs> <laughs> with a dodgy agent or something." It's almost a catchphrase. I mean, in the build-up to this, he'd obviously there was a turning point in his national career when he uh, was blamed for France's failure in uh, not qualifying for the World Cup in the USA in '94 when uh, they wanted him to do a bit of a John McGinn and run it into the corner flag. There was two games, there was Israel and Bulgaria. They just needed a point from either of them, and they lost them both. That's shocking. Bulgaria went down the other end and scored, I think it was in injury time, wasn't it? It was very late. Yeah. Gerard Houllier was, uh, funny enough, the manager at the time, and he hung him out to dry, didn't he? Well, he didn't, he didn't miss him anyway. But he, goes, uh, he described Ginola's actions as a crime against the team, there was, and the media called him the assassin of French football. So this is in the background while he's playing for P- Paris Saint-Germain, and he didn't last more than a, like a season more in uh, Paris, and then he was off to... Uh, he came to grace the Premier League and went to Newcastle. And you know that life is hard at PSG if you uh, if even Newcastle is a, a better option. When you look back or when you think about Ginola, you always think about, well, his legacy was at Newcastle. Yeah, he was brilliant there to begin with, wasn't he, that first half of the season? But he was only there for a couple of seasons. He only played like 58 games or yeah. league games. And he, he played almost twice the amount of league games at Spurs, didn't he? Yeah. Now, he was br- that, that first... Sort of half of the it was ninety five ninety six wasn't it when he arrived in England and that that first half of the season you know when they had they brought in him and Les Ferdinand he was absolutely brilliant so into and they were and they were so entertaining to watch yeah yeah 
He just he just clicked because it was he was like he was such a Keegan type player at that point. Even at Spurs, though, he won, he won PFA Player of the Year at Spurs, and it was like it's unusual for a team. I think Spurs finished eleventh the season. Yeah, they he were won very PFA average at that Player of the Year. Yeah, United, United did the treble in that year, so you'd expect a United player like you know Dwight York, for example, uh, to be picking up uh, Player of the Year. But yeah, Ginola picked it up in a in a Spurs team that was kind of floating around. For a little known fact that Peter Crouch actually cleaned uh, Ginola's boots at at Spurs. I didn't know Crouch was a uh, in the youth setup there, yeah, that's where he came from, wasn't it? Talk talk about a uh, a difference in appearance. No, exactly. Yeah. In terms of his Villa career, how are we looking upon Mister Ginola? Past his best. The headline is really him and Gregory's uh, relationship, for want of a better word. Yeah, I mean Gregory just wasn't sold, was he? He knew he was getting a player who wasn't at his peak anymore, and he, and in terms of his level of fitness and probably a certain level of professionalism, it just wasn't it wasn't there at that point. I asked for Muzzy, is it? Not this chump. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I want a player who's on the you know on the ascendancy, not sort of slowly off to the beach. Villa highlights. There was the Man City volley, wasn't there? I remember just before Christmas against a pretty crap Man City team and he, when he ripped his shirt off just to prove a point to Gregory. I remember there was a really good free kick. That was the blobby, Mr. Yeah, blobby, Mr. Uh, blobby. Yeah, Mr. Blobby quote there was the really good free kick against West Ham and a, a great goal against Charlton and then I, I, the one I remember best though is he ran from well inside his own half against Basel that year when we won the Intertoto Cup oh, he, he just oh, ran man. and ran and ran and rolled it in the bottom corner at the hole and it was a brilliant goal it's probably one that you can't even find on YouTube do you, do you feel sorry for our younger listeners who never experienced the the wonder of the Intertoto <laughs> Cup football in July turning up to Villa Park in shorts and flip-flops watching Ginola run a whole length of the pitch beautiful <laughs> It, it wasn't all, you know, running the whole length of the pitch against Basel. I have dug up um, a match report on a reserve game that John Gregory made him play in, where uh, he thought, "I know Janola, you're you're on the press so much. I know I'll put you at sweeper." So he puts Janola, <laughs> he puts Janola at sweeper against Newcastle. And the, the best line from this match report is an incident in the stroke of half time summed up Janola's night when he did well to tidy up a loose ball, but then gave away possession with an unnecessary back heel. The Frenchman, <laughs> the Frenchman had also been at fault for Newcastle's opener, and then at the end of it, he just goes, "Janola." Refused to be drawn into an argument with John Gregory despite um, playing his second reserve game of the week. Um, he goes, I am Zen and people will have to take me the way I am. Trying the back healer as a sweeper. That's what Brazy used to do that, but he could pull it off. Yeah, Bra- well, Bra- Brazy, Brazy was playing in his, his, you know, his favourite position. I think that was John Gregory trying to create the bomb squad before the bomb squad became a thing. Oh, so groundbreaking. Laying the foundations, he was ahead of his time, a pioneer of ahead of his time. Paul Lambert simply completed the work that John Gregory started. But, uh, I mean, Ginola, think about Ginola, I mean, he did have a bit of an ego. A bit? A, a bit, exactly. He was more <laughs> into uh, his L'Oreal wavy locks adverts. I mean, that's why he didn't cut his hair, because he, uh, he wanted the money from uh, L'Oreal campaigns. And he did a few. Yeah, he probably did as well at that as he did as fo- out of football. He did, a, he did a Renault advert as well, I think he did. Yeah, I mean, he was. Uh, or he did pretty well, actually, in terms of uh, modelling and, and that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, footballer stroke model, at, uh, if you were describing uh, what he did. And then he ended up in bloody uh, Finding Nemo, didn't he? As a shrimp, a talking shrimp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he he was the French. Well, he's on the French dub version as yeah. a, as a as a shrimp. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. He obviously had a few agents that got him all kinds of uh, crazy jobs. It 
did kind of get to his head. Uh, did his ex-wife ever publish the uh, the book that she threatened that would uh, be a tell-all book on his uh, infidelities? Because that's what, when he broke up from his wife of 25 years uh, to hook up with somebody, how many, she was like 22 years younger? Yeah. A model that was described at the time as uh, the French Angelina Jolie, who he had a kid with. And uh, according to The Sun, there was another kid and I love their, their their construction of English when they say during their marriage, this is his first wife, the former Premier League ace was dogged by claims. He fathered a child after an affair with dog breeder Jolie Pinker. I just love the way they've – how can we get the word dogged in <laughs> with dog breeder? Yeah, sublim- subliminal. Yeah, like within one sentence as well. Fucking hell. Yeah, but we, we should have seen it coming because because there was another foreshadowing when he was talking about a wine that he, he launched in 2007. Uh, they interviewed him, obviously, and said, would they get Newcastle fans to change their traditional uh, brown ale? But he goes, oh, a bit of change is good with relationships with women and it is good with wine. So it's not a question of sophistication. It's a question of taste. So you know, they should be playing that one in the divorce court hearings. <laughs> yes, uh, it's... Uh, I mean, this is like... It's typical midlife crisis trading your wife for a younger model and uh, the thing that men panic about at a certain age to see if they've still got it kind of thing. But he he was a bit of a douchebag. I mean, uh, I don't think he was the smartest guy. Uh, I mean, he kind of tried his hand at punditry, but they they kind of pushed him out the side door, didn't they? Because he wasn't really the smartest chap. No, it was very much the let's get the the glamorous Frenchman in front of the camera and then realise that he didn't actually have very much to say. Yeah, no, exactly. But he did, uh, we've been joking, but he did have a, uh, well, he, uh, br- I say a brush with death. Uh, I mean, the headlines was uh, he was dead for like eight, eight to nine minutes uh, while playing football and had to be resuscitated uh, by a member of the opposition. Yeah, he, he passed out, didn't he, during a, I think it was a charity football match in 2017 where he swallowed his tongue, stopped breathing, and he was, they said he was essentially he was clinically dead until paramedics arrived with a defibrillator. Yeah. And he had to do a quadruple bypass to save his life. So he's a very lucky, a really lucky guy. I think he mentioned later on when he was interviewed that he's, I think his mother had died, unfortunately, with heart problems. His dad had had them, so it did run in the family. Yeah, and he, you know, he was a smoker as well. He liked a cigarette before the game and after the game. Yeah. Uh, the thing was, though, he, he st- that's when he started to have his affairs, wasn't it? It was after he came back from the dead. If I had heart trouble, the last thing I'd be doing is picking up a wife 22 years younger. That's when you ask him for trouble. <laughs> I'm having to put a shift in. <laughs> it's the first shift he's put in in years. Yeah, I mean, uh, we shouldn't really joke, but uh, I don't know if it's like, uh, you know, we're saying midlife crisis for his uh, his initial affair with the uh, the model that was 22 years younger than him, but maybe it's like, oh, I've been given a second chance here. Let's go again. I mean, it's going to change your psyche, isn't it? If you know that potentially you've, you know, you've been on borrowed time or you've had a massive brush with death, so you, you know, touch wood, it's something we, we don't, you know, we don't have to experience, experience anytime soon. But um, he's just had such a mad, you know, a lot of players, especially the, the guys who come from the, the foreign leagues, they come and sort of come to the Premier League, they have their few years, they go abroad, they go home, and you don't hear from them again. Yeah, Ginola's just had all this just crazy stuff happen. I mean, because he, you know, he's he's got a bit of an ego. He's and he, you know, he, he likes to court the press. Yeah, he, he still pops up, doesn't he? I mean, and I know recently he's been commenting on Harry Kane. That whole shebang where he went for is it FIFA president, where he had yeah. some book <laughs> bookies basically funding his 
it was more a marketing fucking stunt from the bookies rather than uh, anything serious. But he loves that kind of, uh, he loves the attention. And I think he was surprised when the English press went after him when, you know, during his divorce. Because as, you know, as he says, I mean, I've lived in France for a couple of years as well. And their press is nowhere near the British press in terms of digging the dirt and, uh, phone tapping and all that kind of shit that they did. And that was a shock to him, but still he's over here and he's always uh, kind of in the press and doing good morning TV and, and stuff. So half of him is kind of attracted like a fly to shit, really. I, I wonder if it's a you know the, the, kind of a cliche case of you know, a footballer that retires and just they, they can never replace the buzz, can they? Well, he's trying. <laughs> he's giving it a damn good go. But... <laughs> But you know, at least he's a character. That's yeah. uh, that's one good thing. Anyway, let's get to the uh, the burning uh, topic. Uh, David Ginola, overrated or underrated? Oh, I'm really torn. I'm going to have to say overrated. First time at Villa. Because I, wh- I was, why I, were you torn? I thought it was I, quite obvious. I know, but I I'm like Ellis. It was like a, it would have been it was a vanity signing for me as well. I was saying yes, Ginola's in the team. I, I I can get a bit of this. You know, grow my hair a bit longer. I wear 14 as well because I'm always in the bench. You know, this this was prime signing for me. But then he just is that when you were using spray tan because you were paste, <laughs> pasty? Is this when <laughs> is get, this when you were the get, face of L'Oreal in Belfast? <laughs> <laughs> to get that Ginola look, you had to get the old spray tan out. <laughs> No, but I, when I scored a goal, I definitely didn't take my shirt off. I'll just leave it there. <laughs> Chris Bird. You've, I mean, I liked him, but he, yeah, he, he's, he was overrated, wasn't he, at Villa? Bless him. I think he's one of those players, a bit, little bit, I mean, we've had a few in that kind of era, like Patrick Berger. I mean, Perez is probably an extreme example because he was pretty over the hill. He was long gone. But it was around that period where, I mean... He, you know, even Gregory's time though, we were getting some results uh, in certain patches. But you know that there was a functionality to that team, which was typified in that semi-final and fight, mainly the final of that FA Cup run, yeah. where we. And so it, you know, it was always good to get something that had a bit of flair. Let's say have a ha- had a reputation for flair, like your your burgers or your your Ginolas, because it even was like a bit Benny of any Carbone and people like that. Yeah, exactly. So a bit of little stardust. A bit of fun. Yeah, sprinkle a bit of fun. You want characters. And so in that respect, uh, you know, I don't want to shit on a, a, a character like Ginola because when you're a football supporter and you're paying your money, the problem with football nowadays is it's very few. Like, I mean, that's why I quite like Traore because you're getting something different. It's not, he's just not another athlete that just runs around like a madman and, and can clock in, you know, clock in the, uh, the miles and is very functional. You expect football players that are getting paid these silly wages to be something over and above what you see you know when you're playing with your mates or at school or Sunday league or even in the lower leagues you want to see magicians and uh, you know he certainly was that but in a Villa shirt I mean you would say that Carl Boney was better than Ginola in terms of what he and gave he was only there a Villa. season wasn't he in, ter- in terms of like turning up in big big games Ginola just sort of had little flashes didn't he he was that kind of player yeah I mean he, he, his heart wasn't in it really was it it was one of those players like you get so many that are just you get for all your flashes of genius and entertainment and fun and tricks sometimes you just want him to track back or give a simple pass and you just they become a bit of a liability especially as you said in that era Villa were very functional the rest of the team just were not on his wavelength but but ultimately just you just want to see something you just want to see them sparkle yeah just entertain me and every now and then he did but not enough yeah not enough overrated for me yeah David Ginola I don't want to cramp your style, but you're overrated. But lifestyle-wise, very entertaining. Oh, great. 
Right, that draws an end to uh, another show. Before we uh, say adios, I just want to say a big thank you to the My Old Man Said patrons for keeping this show running and bringing their wit and humour to uh, Match Club, our little uh, match day get-together. Or, if you're Chris Budd, your kind of nightcap get-together. <laughs> Ernie popped pop back into Match Club to say to to people. It ended up being like the bloody after-hour sessions. Ridiculous. I mean, it was hilarious because there were some very, very pissed people. It was great fun <laughs> for me, sober. Because I went back in there to check something. for I, I can't, can't remember why I went back in there. And then I saw you and loads of other people. And I was like, fucking hell, I'm just going to slip out the side door here. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so if you want to get involved in Match Club and who doesn't, uh, there's still a few games left. And we will be uh, rocking and rolling through the summer probably having get-togethers for the uh, the Euros and pre-season. Also, uh, you get extra podcasts as well on the uh, Mom's Patreon podcast channel. So please do, uh, if you want to get involved and join the Inner Circle and support the show, please do go to myoldmansaid.com and uh, sign up as a uh, Mom's Patreon. A big shout-out to uh, Chad Jobin for joining up uh, in the last week, and also Philip Howcroft for signing up uh, as an annual patron. If you uh, sign up as an annual patron, you get two months off, which is around 15%. So, as I said, myoldmansaid.com. Check on the patron link in the menu, and... uh, get more details and join us uh. and a little shout out to uh, the uh, all the line of duty fans who uh, actually flagged one who flagged it up to me about Holt End Holdings in the uh, the finale which is a nice uh. little villa being slipped in there this is uh the line of duty is where people normally slip off after match club, is they it? Do. Is it? <laughs> or if Villa are playing on a Sunday night, they just fuck off if we're playing badly and watch that. <laughs> in the background while they uh, yeah. converse in match club. Right, uh, any uh, final words until we uh, contemplate our next confrontation <laughs> with the Red Devils? Uh, I really want to do them, fuckers. Yeah. Well, this is the same every time. It's we, the we Holy just... Grail, isn't it? Just got to beat them. I mean, Blues, we won't play them for another few decades. So let's uh, raise the bar and let's concentrate all efforts on beating United. Right, until we beat United, thank you for listening. And it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.